everything nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw today. Today is February the 28th, 2012, which means that tomorrow is the 29th. Once every four years, we get that extra day. Leap year. Anyone remember back in the day? That was the day that women were allowed to propose to men. <laughs> Take the initiative. Leap into the arms of the man they love. There was a comic strip, Little Abner. Uh, they called it Sadie Hawkins Day. I have no idea who Sadie was, but the guy who... Uh, did the comic strip. Al Cap was his name. He always drew this wild race. He showed the women tearing down uh, the center of Dogpatch, the little town of Dogpatch. They were all chasing after the guys. Somebody shot off a gun, and uh, little Abner was always trying to escape from Daisy May. Daisy May, of course. <laughs> the real danger was Wolf Gal, Wolf Gal, my favorite. She was a renegade character. She wore the sort of outfit that many teenagers favor today, you know. Exploded hemlines, hair spikes like a sea anemone. Anyway, trouble is that today here in the 21st century, uh, that sort of thing doesn't come off very well. Little Abner would sue the gals for sexual harassment. Yep. Oh, God, if there's anything in our culture that has done a U-turn in my lifetime, it's gender roles. We boxed the compass, boys and girls. Radicals. <laughs> Radicals. Demanding the right to get married. The right to serve in the military. Who knew? Heterosexuals everywhere that want to be alone. Geez, some old scholar once wrote that when the train of history, the engine of history, makes a sharp turn, you know, makes a sharp turn maybe to the left, maybe to the right, he said half the thinkers fall off. I see them these days, they're all lying on the tracks, bleeding, scratching their heads and saying, God, what hit me? Well, we all cope with change the best we can. Some folks emerge stronger than ever, more interesting. Some of us, some of us just give up the game and fold, cash in their chips. Uh, an older gentleman of my acquaintance told me, I kid you not, 
He told me, he said his mother taught him that women separated love from lust, which, he said, is why he thought Mae West was vulgar and Marilyn Monroe was sweet. Hmm, there's a non-sequitur in there somewhere back to the drawing board, I guess. I, I watched the actress, actor, everybody's an actor now, remember that. Uh, I watched the actor who played Marilyn Monroe in this movie, My Week with Marilyn. She is certainly sweet. She looks about 12. Her name is Michelle Williams. Now, whether she is sexy, I leave to men to decide. Twelve-year-olds seem to be, uh, well, I guess sexy isn't the word, but sexual objects, I suppose. Whoops. That's all wrong. Too many people today tell me that Marilyn Monroe was as sexy to women as she was to men, so uh, maybe it isn't about pedophilia. Anyway, all these gender benders give me a headache. Uh, neither Michelle Williams nor Marilyn Monroe is or was vulgar. Then neither was Mae West. I think Mae West was a satirist, uh, a comedian, if you please. Something like W.C. Fields. She was uh, putting us on. Other guys I hear describe her as matronly, meaning that she was not thin. <laughs> Can a matron be sexy? Anyway, thin, thin, dear God, did you see Angelina Jolie at the Oscars? My God, that lovely woman, but she she stuck out one of her legs. She looked like a cadaver. And this beautiful black dress. And then this white, white skin. And uh, she's so thin, I thought she was going to, she was going to fade away. Uh, I have not yet seen her film. Angelina Jolie has made a movie. She, it's her first film. She directed it. But she said that she simply found a story that needed to be told. And um, so she got it together, and uh, she went to the front line. She saw the carnage, and I haven't seen the film, so I cannot comment, but the movie's called In the Land of Blood and Honey. I'm going to see that tonight. Um, I think, well, can we call her a feminist? Let's call her a radical feminist and a progressive, okay? It was strange because I kept contrasting her with the beautiful Octavia Spencer, Interesting women. Uh, Octavia is not thin. She wore uh, a white dress, this glimmering, gleaming, beautiful uh, white dress. Rubenesque, yes. Ah, Jean-Paul. No, it's, what is it? Peter Paul. Peter Paul Rubens. Yes. Um, I was watching the Oscars uh, Sunday night, and... I tried to make sense of it. I tried to think it mattered. Um, Meryl Streep says it still matters a little bit. Uh, there she was. She was winning her Oscar. She says she's been, she's been nominated 17 times. She's won now three times total. And this year she played the role of Maggie Thatcher. One of the pundits on the red carpet, uh, one of those fashionista types, said that um, she wished that Meryl Streep had, well, that she had worn something uh, a little simpler. 
Now, the fact is, this actor, Meryl Streep, has more than earned the right to appear on the red carpet in shimmering gold, the gown of a queen with glittering gold earrings and, you know, golden brown, golden hair. Uh, she is the undoubted queen of Hollywood. And she was certainly self-effacing and funny. And the gown was carefully, carefully styled to detract from the fact that her figure is matronly now. Uh, she uh, is not uh, like Angelina Jolie. She is not a cadaver, but she's a, um, what do you call that? Uh, she's a woman of middle years. She wore a gown that was loose and lovely. Drapery is everything. I'm always saying that, yes. Drape the ruin, as we all know. After 50, style, yes, grooming are the essentials. Uh, Meryl Streep even managed to have a loose curl, a little piece falling over her brow. Uh, yes, youth was served. <laughs> it was, it was, what is it? It was reminiscent of that god-awful loop that um, Newt Gingrich's wife has, but that one, that one is like a cap or a hat, whereas uh, Meryl Streep managed to look as if her hair was tossed loosely like a salad. She is a master of her art and of herself. She thanked her husband, she kissed her husband, and like nearly every successful actor these days, she complimented her mother. Seems to be the thing to do. Uh, she got a Lifetime Achievement Award, Meryl Streep, that is. She got a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Kennedy Center a few weeks ago, and she was seated there with some other greats uh, next to Michelle and Barack Obama. Uh, American royalty, folks. Never mind the foreign policy. Never mind that Meryl Streep's role in uh, the movie The Iron Lady. Uh, never mind that uh, <laughs> the Oscar was given to her for a movie which was a study in dementia. They say that, uh, well, some people object. Some people object to the fact that the movie was kind of mean. I mean, Margaret Thatcher is still very much alive. Uh, I would have picked Ronnie Reagan if I wanted to go after somebody from the 80s. Ronnie Reagan is no longer with us. Um, and I certainly think... He did a lot more to, uh, what do you call that, lurch the country to the right. Uh, I think he should take the hit. Actually, uh, I think that Ronald Reagan's arrival in D.C. in 1980 was the beginning of the end. I marked that date uh, national, yes, national. Actually, it started in the 70s, but never mind all that, um, it's all blood under the bridge now. And it's certainly not the concern of those who work in the theater. Theater is where we mirror our society. It's the reflection of reality. The movie stars aren't in charge of uh, politics. They're not even in charge of the plays. It's the writers. 
We said Woody Allen actually got a uh, an Oscar for his screenplay for Midnight in Paris, which I thought was pretty redundant. Uh, he's done it a hundred times before, but it was a charming little uh, what uh, fleur de lis. It was very pretty. The guy who played Hemingway was cute, but um, oh, and Kathy Bates as Gertrude Stein, but it wasn't really a great deal of meat on the table. Anyway. If it were up to me, I would give awards to the writers, the thinkers, and especially to the actors uh, in scenes. You know, I'd pick and choose from films. i take these great moments, you know, those special breakthroughs, moments when we may see ourselves writ large on the screen. Truth, folks, it's all about truth. It's often found in fiction and in film, which of course is fiction. Film is forever, as Ronnie Reagan used to say. Facts are for journalists, for historians. Uh, sometimes the facts can lead to truth. Other times, well, metaphors, metaphors. For example, I would take two of the Oscar actors... Let's see, uh, Meryl Streep. I would begin with Meryl Streep uh, and the nominee, Viola Davis. She was uh, nominated for Best uh, Actress, Best Actor, along with Meryl Streep. She uh, was in the movie The Help. You know, uh, she wore this beautiful green dress and green earrings. Uh those two women have a scene in a movie called Doubt. Now, The Help is the movie that she was up for. The Help is a movie taken from uh, a novel by Catherine Stockett. It's a novel written by a white woman. Uh, it's all about domestic workers in the South in the 1960s. But uh, never mind all that. Everybody will see that because it's... Uh, to call that Scott lot of advertising. But the scene in the movie Doubt is one that nobody I've talked to remembers. It took the top of my head off. Now, this movie Doubt deals with the sexual abuse of a child, a young boy, the son of the character played by Viola Davis. He's a uh, black scholar. He's about, I don't know, I think he looks about 12, 11 or 12. Viola Davis is his mother. She's come to see the headmistress, the nun who runs her son's school. That would be Meryl Street. <laughs> she smokes. Anyway, to further break the stereotypes, we learn in this scene that Meryl Streep was once married, and the character played by Davis is surprised at this. She's not much of a Catholic, <laughs> all told. What these actors accomplish in this scene... Uh, they humanize these women. The writing is amazing, and the acting, as I say, took the top of my head off. Uh, there's nothing politically correct about the scene. These women are not even likable. The subject, the uh, conflict, or the issue, is all about the boy's exposure to an older man's attentions, we do not know the lengths to which this man went 
whether he was just being a good Catholic. <laughs> okay, it's part of the subjective truth of his life. The mother indicates that her husband, that is the boy's father, is not a sympathetic or supportive person or parent. Her agenda is straightforward. She wants to get her son, he wants to get this boy through school and then graduate him and get him into the next level school, right? Uh, if an older man has given him time and attention, has helped her son, well, maybe that's just how it goes, how it went down. She never says so. She never really says that she could go along with anything um, that went over the line. But it's just that, well, we see she doesn't want trouble. Now, we know that some of us, some of us have been there. Some of us have done that. The nun, that is Meryl Streep, the woman who has the moral responsibility for this child and for the soul of the man who may or may not have crossed the line, well, uh, she's pretty much, what is that, um, hanging over a cliff there at the end. It's a role that most actors would kill for, and uh, of course that's why the movie was ignored. Never mind, I, I thought at the same time... Uh, Speaking of roles that people would kill for, uh, the role played in The Help by the woman Octavia Spencer. Yes, she got the Oscar for Supporting Actress. That was a role to die for. And I was cross because uh, Tabitha Smiley, along with some other pundits, was saying that it was awful to have black actors or African-American actors just playing maids and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think that, uh, well, Viola Davis was talking to Tavis Smiley and she said that he was destroying the creativity of uh, black actors. Uh, I go along with her. I think that these actors, well, these actors are able to grasp the nettle when the playwright gives them ambiguous issues. They can uh, go along with it. They're not worried about you know, how they look, how they appear. They're not afraid to be, well, bad guys. Uh, I remember once a young boy asking Danny Glover, it was at a film, uh, oh, one of those um, film classes over at San Francisco State. Danny Glover was there. One of the boys asked him how he could play the role he played in The Color Purple. And Danny Glover had to explain that Alice Walker was trying to be honest about this man and uh, that when a writer was honest, it was the actor's job to follow through. Um, anyway, hmm. anyway, selling a movie is another issue. You know, 70% of our movies, our Hollywood movies, go overseas and mostly they just want shoot 'em ups Rambo pictures. Uh Nobody's interested in the nuances. That's for uh, subtle playwrights. I'm not sure, uh, you know, the big time pictures, the black and white issues, these are the ones that most people talk about. Uh, I think that the the film The Help, 
the one that uh, takes a novel about complicated characters and uh, subjective social issues. That one, I, I studied that carefully, and it did seem to me that the book, well, the book was all about race, class, gender, the whole ball of wax. And the movie tried. The movie really got in there and tried. But in the last analysis, uh, uh, it was reduced or it was reductive picture. And what the movie gave us, the takeaway, uh, is that we see, we see a bigot, a white woman who literally eats, uh, the word is S, yes, the word. She literally eats S baked into a pie by one of the domestics she has injured. And, of course, the audience loved it. We all love to see uh, a bigot or a, uh, a mean person become a laughing stock. It's a kind of payback, but to my mind, it is hardly what anyone would consider to be justice. Uh, I think you'd have to do a little more than <laughs> bake a pie. Never mind. The book is still on the shelf. It certainly has value, and the movie, I think, should have won the Oscar, but that's just me. Uh, if you have time to read the help, you might want to go... Uh, Go on from there and read some other books and plays. Uh, so many good books about uh, our American dilemmas. You might want to read, um, well, Member of the Wedding. That would be my pick. It's the story of a black mother, surrogate mother, if you like, Ethel Waters. It's set in the 1940s. And it's another one that was written by a, a white woman. I mention it because, yes, white Southern women certainly uh, have opinions. Carson McCullers wrote Member of the Wedding. But after after a while, I think we have to give up and go go a little further. Read the African-American women writers. Move on to Entosaki Shange. That would be the play from the 1970s for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. In Barack Obama's autobiography, Dreams from My Father, that was his first book written when he was quite young, um, before he planned to be president. Although, of course, Barack always planned to be president. But a co-worker in Chicago, um, um, single mom, took him to see this play and to Saki Shange's Four Colored Girls. And he got it. Apparently, he he took a good look and he understood women's lives, that is, the women that he was working with there in Chicago, what they were up against. Finally, I was thinking that the Oscars are a strange scene in these times. Some of the best, some of the worst... All this stuff, all that glamour and glitter in a world where the crimescape is everywhere we look. Today, they were counting the dead in another high school somewhere. Uh, I just I turn on television and I see this play, this theater, masses of young males rushing around seeking another wargasm. And then I realize, oh, that's not a play. That's happening. 
All these young men trying to find freedom by killing their enemies. Seven billion souls in a maelstrom. Caught in some kind of biological meltdown species extinction out there, folks. Here and there, though, these points of light, no. <laughs> no. It is true. Michelle Williams, the pretty girl, she is not Marilyn Monroe. But if you study that world, the fantasy world in which so many young people live, the world of movies, uh, Michelle Williams may be a wiser woman, uh, not better, but wiser than Marilyn Monroe. In the first place, she has a mother, unlike poor Marilyn. Marilyn was a neurotic, narcissistic, um, well, uh, let's face it, Barbara Jean, her birth name. Barbara Jean was into nihilism, uh, left her dead at, I think, 36, 37. She was unable to find a role in which she could live, something that she could be, truly, uh, all she had was performance. I like to blame Peter Lawford or Ethel Kennedy. No, Arthur Miller. I'll blame Arthur Miller. That's good. Anyway, the movie My Week with Marilyn is all about innocence. And uh, what is more poetic <laughs> than American innocence? Michelle Williams has what Marilyn didn't have. She uh, is not only innocent, she's also intelligent and truly self-aware. I saw her on Charlie Rose, yes, watching these people try to talk to Charlie Rose and Tavis Smiley, trying to straighten out these men. These actresses are finally beginning to speak truth to power, or at least truth to pundits. Who says an actor can't be fiercely intelligent? Uh, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's in the picture. As Laurence Olivier, that's a hoot. I hope that Cable airs the original The Prince and the Showgirl because it's a masterpiece, at least for Marilyn Monroe, it's a masterpiece. Uh, that scene when she kicks the stool and swings her bottom onto it and plunks down at Olivier's knee, I knew then that she had won. She had his number. She upstaged the great man, left him in the dust. Tis true, tis true. It was a feminist coup. I like to remember Marilyn Monroe as that American chorus girl, Elsie, yes. There she was, all dressed up. She was in a carriage. She went to the coronation in the early 20th century. How about that? That's the America I used to believe in. One where a smart aleck with... A borrowed jewels, a borrowed brooch, an insignia, yes. <laughs> in the end, she takes her winnings and walks out of the embassy in that tacky trench coat. She's an adventurous, an American. In this world, it is almost impossible for any woman to develop a wild mind, to invent herself, to become herself, to be the author of her own existence, to have authority. A few of the women at the Oscars did have authority this year. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for the black women writers. Uh, I'm waiting for their work to come to the screen, to the masses. Uh, you remember 
Toni Morrison's Beloved didn't work. I think Oprah Winfrey was having a feud with Danny Glover. Could be Alice Walker's Color Purple was very popular, but it was not what Alice Walker wrote about. I'm going to wait for a new spin on, say, Sula, Toni Morrison's Sula. Uh, Alfrey Woodard should play that, but she may be getting older now. I saw her play a young woman in Go Tell It on the Mountain, James Baldwin's story of his his father's youth. Yes, that was a, it. They used a scene uh, from uh, Baldwin's father's youth, and they let Alfrey Woodard play his lover. That one knocked my socks off. Anyway, for Alice Walker, it would be Meridian... I have a long list here of all the plays that need to come to the screen so that we have real thought on the screen. And then I end up here today trying to talk for about 20 minutes about the little dog Oogie (laughs) and the movie The Tree of Life and the movie that won called The Artist and all about the reasons why silent films are so much better than we know. Next time I'll do that. Silent movies, yes. The sound of silence. Silent films are like music. They're so much better than all those language movies. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday, God is willing. Till then, go easy. This has been Jennifer Stone. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. And this is KPFA, KPFB, Berkeley, KFC, from Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is now 3.30. Stay tuned for Free Speech Radio News.